This weekend, the Blue Jackets won a game that they probably should have lost and lost a game that they probably should have won. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Elvis Merzlikens. Uh, we're going to talk about the goaltending in general, actually. And also, it's our Mailbag Monday. So that's all coming up today on Locked on Blue Jackets. Locked on Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jacket. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster. I'm here to bring you stories, news, excitement, yelling. There's probably going to be some yelling in uh, in this episode. And I am back to my usual background. So exciting for people who are um, longtime watchers on YouTube. Thank you before uh, before we get started. I want to thank everyone for making this your first listen of the day every day. Locked on Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms, and we are also over on YouTube. We are on our way to the next milestone of subscribers, which is super exciting. So if you haven't hit subscribe over there yet, then please feel free to do so. It helps me out. It helps you out. Everybody wins. Now we've got a lot to talk about in this episode, uh, so let's let's jump right into it. We're not going to spend a ton of time on the actual game stuff itself but there are some things from both games that i want to talk about blue jackets uh this weekend they're back-to-back games uh they had a game against carolina which they won four to three in the shootout which um i slept through because i had uh aggressive jet lag and uh apparently me sleeping through games means good things happen so maybe i should sleep through more games they then followed that up with a uh a pretty solid uh, loss, actually, um, or a solid defensive effort in a loss, I should say, not a solid loss. Um, it was a uh, a one nothing win for the Washington Capitals um, after getting you know booed out of your own barn six two to the same team like four days ago. Um, it was good to see them put in a little bit more of a solid effort this time. Um, so we're going to talk about both of those games, um, not in a ton of like actual game detail, but. I want to pinpoint a couple of players. Uh, I have a couple of maybe hot takes. Um, but I want to start off with the Carolina game because um, Karol Marchenko is, is the guy from this game. Um, so I want to talk about him to begin with. Uh, he scored all of the regulation goals for the Blue Jackets. Uh, that was his first career hat trick. He is, I believe, now tied for fourth on the team in goals. Um, he's got eight on the season, uh, which I think he's only had like 15 games so far. So he's scoring at like a 40-ish goal pace at the minute, which I personally love to see. Um, I think this kid is great. I think his ceiling is higher than maybe a lot of people thought. Um, He's tied with Kent Johnson for rookie scoring at the minute in terms of goals. Uh, Like I said, he's got eight um, and he doesn't appear to be slowing down anytime soon. I thought he looked really good in the Washington game. As well, um, unfortunately, as we all know, I'm going to go over to my friend at uh, Natural Stat Trek because Brad Larson decided to reward Kirill Marchenko for his hat trick uh, by playing him about, I think it was like 10 minutes last night. So scored all of the goals for the Blue Jackets against the Hurricanes. Capitals come up. Uh, in fairness to the Blue Jackets, they put in a. It was a pretty solid, a pretty solid effort. Um, they outshot them uh, twenty-eight to. Uh, they outshot them thirty-eight to nineteen in the end. Um, just a, a bonkers 
a bonkers shutout for Darcy Camper, who I thought played phenomenally. Um, I thought Elvis was also excellent. Uh, 18 saves in 19 shots. We're going to talk about Elvis um, and the goaltending in general in a little bit. But uh, before I get distracted, um, I need to go to see how much ice time Karimalchenko got. Um, he got nine minutes at 5v5, and then he got 10 and a half minutes um, at, at all situations. He had the second lowest ice time. Um, and he played most of the game with Cole Sillinger and Carson Meyer. Now, Cole Sillinger's ice time has kind of started creeping up a little bit. He played 12-37 in that game uh, against Washington. He had a, an assist on the hat-trick goal for Marchenko in the previous game. But I don't understand how you don't have this kid in your top four. Or your top six, excuse me. Um, I just... He scores a hat-trick. In, the, in one game, and then the next game, okay, his possession numbers aren't great, but you put him in the, the on the third line and then proceed to play the fourth line of uh, Foodie, Olivier, and Corrali. Uh, Olivier played 14-19, Foodie played 14-49, and Corrali played 16-43. I just... And this is a conversation I feel like I've had so, so, so many times, and we're going to have it again about Ken Johnson in a second, but... I don't understand why you are not putting your young players in a position to succeed. Um, Ken Johnson in particular is a really egregious. He was on the ice for 28 shot attempts for and six against. He had the second highest in the entire game uh, in terms of course four percentage. The only guy that did better than him was Marcus Bjork, who had a phenomenal game. And again, only played 16 minutes. Uh, he played the second least ice time out of all of the defensemen, um, because why would you play him when you can play Eric Branson, who was on the ice for 23 shot attempts against instead of Marcus Bjork's eight? Like, I just... This game, man, this this coaching staff, it makes no sense. And again, I know this is a conversation that we've had over and over and over again, but uh, I don't get it. I don't understand what his logic is. And also, like, there was an interview before the game, I believe. It was, it was either just before the game or an intermission interview where he talked about, well, when the kids are succeeding, then you have to play them. Like, I'm going to reward the players that play well. Um, they make it really easy. And it was about, like, the that third goal that Marchenko scored was power play goal, I believe. And it was, oh, the second, it was either the second or the third goal. I don't have the numbers in front of me at the minute, sorry. Um but they basically, instead of sending the top line out or the top unit, they said the second unit out and the second unit got the job done. And he, so he was talking about, well, when they're succeeding, it makes it really easy for me to do that. And then he just, he says stuff like that before a game. And then he goes right back around to playing, you know, Sean Corrali for 16.43. Um, and I mean, even if we look at 5v5, because I know Corrali plays a lot of penalty kill minutes, but even if you look at just all situations, uh, Sean Corrali led forwards in ice time last night. He had more ice time than Patrick Liner. He had more ice time than Johnny. Johnny Gaudreau played 12 and a half minutes. Last night, like, it, I don't know what we're doing. I don't understand what we are doing here. Um, it, I feel like I'm going insane. Like, I feel like I'm being trauma showed. I just, I very, very sincerely do not understand how this is a situation that makes sense to him and like maybe maybe i'm wrong here maybe i'm the one in the wrong like i'm not the nhl coach i don't know anything but personally if i was playing a guy you know eight and a half million or however much they're paying johnny Gaudreau, nine and three quarters i would play more than 12 and a half minutes a night i mean that's in fairness that's even strength uh so if you go to all situations um that does flip a little bit 
Gus Nyquist played 21 minutes in all situations. Um, Johnny Goodrow played exactly the same amount of ice time in all situations as Sean Corrali. Um, just... <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand, and I don't understand how this... This is not a problem that's being flagged by anyone else. Um, oh no, this is not to say I'm the only person in the entire world talking about it, but I don't understand how no one in the organization seems to have flagged that this is what's happening. Um, and it's it's just so endlessly frustrating. And I can see this being a conversation that we're going to have time and time and time again. Well, they're playing Tampa Bay uh, tomorrow night um, or Wednesday night. It's, uh, I, I don't know what days are anymore. I'm sorry. The next game is against Tampa Bay. Um, they're going to play Peek and Gabranson upwards of 20 minutes, 25 minutes a night each, probably. And we're going to get curb stomped. Like that's just, that's just how this is. Um, and this is the thing, even in a game where the shot attempts were 77 Blue Jackets, 47 Capitals, you're the guy who's the second most ice time on the team, Eric Gabranson still had a sub 50%. Corsi four percentage. Um, he was one of three players that was sub fifty percent. Um, and the other guy was Tim Bernie, who plays on a line with Erica Branson on a pairing, I guess. So this is kind of this is just where we're at now. Is I have no faith in this team to do anything because I have no faith in the coach to put them in a situation to succeed. And it just Brad Larson is not getting fired. That's that's just how this is. He's still going to be paid by the Blue Jackets for the rest of this season and probably next season. Unless, you know, if they get Conor Bedard, you know, I'm just going to knock on wood. If they get Conor Bedard and the Blue Jackets are this bad next season, somebody in this organization should be fired. Like, I like Yama Kekalainen as a GM. I think for the most part, he's been a very good GM. I think it's time for him to take a little bit more control over what is happening on the ice right now. Because yes, it's easy to point at Brad Larson and say, hey, look, this this you're you're underperforming with this team. Um I think you have to look at, at the choices that Yamakakalainen made this offseason, you know, beyond the the signing of Johnny Gaudreau, which you know we all say is incredible. But when you look at, you know, you're paying four and a half million for Erica Branson, you're paying over two million for Andrew Peak. Like you look at the cap situation, especially on the blue line. You're locked into this blue line. Unless you make some kind of trade, you're locked into essentially this blue line for the next three seasons, maybe more. Um, Erica Branson is on the books until 2025, 26. Same with Andrew Peake. Uh, Adam Boquist is on the books until 2024, 25. Uh, Gavrikov, I assume, is gone at the trade deadline. I can't imagine them bringing uh, Gavin Bayer the back for any real like roll um bernie and bjork are going to be on uh, entry-level contracts they're coming off those at the end of this season so they'll maybe get a little bit of a bump but you know and then you you know if you add in jake bean returning he's got 2.3 million uh warenski is at nine and a half million like you've you've contracted yourself into a corner you know you look at how well tim bernie has been playing you look at how well marcus bjork has been playing um Jake Christensen has been playing pretty well. Obviously, he's back with the Monsters now. And then, you know, when Nick Blankenberg comes back, and that's what we're going to talk about in a minute, is what do you do then? What do you do when Nick Blankenberg comes back? Because in my mind, 
the defensemen that should be playing are the ones that are going to be sat for Nick Blankenberg. Like, uh, that's the thing. When Nick Blankenberg is healthy, like, he's going to be directly competing with Adam Boquist to even get in the lineup because they have to play Peak. They have to play Gabranson. Like, they can't not at this point. They can't have $4 million defensemen sitting on the bench or sitting in the press box even. They just, they can't and they won't. So this is kind of where, where the Blue Jackets are at. They've, and this is this is not a Brad Larson thing. This is a Yamakakalainen thing. He has contracted himself into a corner. He has paid too much for third-line defensemen. Can they move out of Boquist's contract? Maybe. I don't, can, they could probably move Andrew Peake's contract. He is the kind of guy that teams love. Um, I just, I don't know. We need to we need to move on because otherwise I'm going to spend the rest of this episode just staring at Cap Friendly and bemoaning everything. Um, but we're going to in a minute get to uh, a couple of mailbag questions. I got some really good ones. Uh, one that I've been sitting on for a few days actually, um, and I'm really excited to talk about that. Uh, so we're going to do that in a second. But first, I've got to tell you about a sponsor that I use literally every day. Um, I started taking AG1 because I didn't have time to go through and get a million different supplements and figure out you know what tailored dietary nutrition plan supplement thing was the best for me. Um, but AG1 does that for you. It is a combination of 75 high, high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Uh, it helps gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, focus, aging, just all of the things that I feel so much better since I've started taking it. And uh, Athletic Greens wants to help you as well. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop in a cup of water every day. There's no need for a million different pills or supplements or powders or creams or anything like that. Uh, You don't need any of that. And to make it even easier, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. And all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Once again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And welcome back to Locked on Blue Jackets. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day every day. Blue Jackets continues to be free and available on all projects. On all podcast platforms, we're also over on YouTube. So uh, no matter where or how you are listening, I appreciate you. Um, so we're going to start off with um, a question that I got on a YouTube video uh, a while ago. And someone said, you know, how is Texier doing in Europe? Can we get an update on Alexander Texier? Now, Texier is still on the Blue Jackets books. He uh, entered, I believe, the uh, player support uh, program and uh, ended up being loaned out to the Zurich Lions. I guess uh, that it's a little bit closer to home. Um, and I think, you know, he missed a bunch of time last season due to uh, personal matters, due to family matters. Um, and I guess he wants to be closer to home, which is absolutely fine. You know, um, does he return next season? I'm still not sure. But in the National League, which is a pretty good league in Europe for the Lions, which is a pretty good team in that league. Uh, he's got 20 points in 28 games so far. He's got six goals, 14 assists, and he sounds like he's doing pretty well. Um, it's it's tough to to mark how that how he would be doing if he was over here because it's a very different game. It's a very different league. But I, the more I think about it, the more I wonder if Texier just stays in Europe. Um, I just had the cap friendly page up, and now I have to reopen it. But um, I believe this is his last year 
on the books for the Blue Jackets. Um, in terms of non-roster players, uh, yeah, so his, his cap, it doesn't count against the cap at the minute. He's in the substance abuse and behavioral health program. Um, so again, obviously, you know, the fact that he's playing in, in uh, Switzerland probably bodes well in terms of, you know, how he's doing on a personal level. Do we see him with the Blue Jackets again? It's tough to say. I would like to. I'm a big Texier fan. Um, and I think he was really starting to find his groove last season. Um, he had 11 goals in 36 games. And it really looked like he was kind of, he was playing on the fourth line with Corrali and Robinson. Um, but I didn't hate that. He was playing with a little bit kind of, of, of attitude and of snarl. Um, and I think that was actually when the fourth line was really effective. Because um, they were playing, they were playing that kind of fourth line role, but they were doing it and they were scoring at the same time. So I really like that as a fourth line. Um, we won't talk about the fourth line at the minute because, again, we don't have time to get into all of that. But I would like to see Texier back with a Blue Jackets uniform. I don't know that we will. I think it's it's so difficult, I think. And this is something that I've kind of been talking about a little bit with um, some other hosts. Once a player leaves kind of the NHL, AHL bubble, it's so difficult to get back. Um, you know, like if a player, for example, um, if a player gets sent down to the ECHL, it is so, so rare that that player will come back to the AHL for any length of time, even rarer, they will make the NHL. And it's kind of, it's the same thing. If a player goes over to Europe, I feel like it's just so difficult for them to get back, whether that's because they've lost their lineup spot, because they get used to playing in Europe, um, because they're getting more opportunities over there they don't want to come back um just there's a whole bunch of different things and i don't know that alexander takes you i'd love to see him back i really would i don't know that we will um i guess that's a conversation that um they will have to have in the off season figure out where he's at in terms of um the the substance abuse behavioral health program maybe he comes back maybe he spent some time in cleveland um before coming back up i don't know like i said i'd love to see him back i don't know that we will um and so that's kind of just a little bit on how Texier is doing like I said I uh I liked him a lot I hoped that he would be back I just I'm not super sure of that right now um and we're going to talk a little bit more about players uh returning and that is uh we're talking about Nick Blankenberg uh so sad girl hours with Nick with Nick Blankenberg coming back what's the status of the defense do we send someone down? Is blank sent down, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think that they send Nick Blankenberg to the AHL. Um, Nick Blankenberg is... And Nick Blankenberg is such a weird a weird case in terms of like fancy stats, because if you look at his stats in a vacuum, he's basically a replacement-level player. But if you look at how everyone else plays when he's on the ice... They turn it up. And so I don't know whether that's that he's a good motivator or or that they just, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's such a weird thing. And I want to see him come back soon because I want to get more kind of, it's a small sample size that we're looking at at the minute. Um, but I want to see more of that because I'm really intrigued as to how that kind of pans out over a longer, a longer period of time. But we come back to, you know, who sits. Um, I think Marcus Bjork, is probably going to be the odd man out. I would expect to see Bjork back in um, back in Cleveland with the reemergence of Nick Blankenberg, um, just because I think they would rather have him playing than sitting on the bench. Um, but then you know you get you get to who plays 
Blankenberg or Boquist? Um, who plays instead of, you know, do they do they send Tim Burney down? I think Gavin Bayreuth is probably pretty locked in as that seventh defenseman, you know, the Scott Harrington spot. But if you look at the the six defensemen that they have, um, Marcus Bjork, to me, feels like maybe the odd guy out. Um, I think they really, really like Tim Burney, which is fair. I like Tim Burney as well. Um, but to me, the... Uh, I don't know. I want Blankenberg and Boquist in the lineup at the same time, but I don't know that that's going to happen, especially with Bernie being a left-handed defenseman. Um, you know, with Wenski out for the season, they're short on left-handed defensemen. With Bean out, they're short again. Um, so, honestly, I think it might be Gavrikov, Bernie, Bayreuther on that left-hand side, unless um, Blankenberg switches to the left side, which could happen, I don't know. But in my mind, the rest of the season is probably going to be Gavrikov, Bernie, Bayreuther on the left, and then Gabranson, Peak, and one of Boquist or Blankenberg on the right. And the other one sitting in the press box, which to me feels like a bad way to develop your young players, but hey, what do I know? Um, so that's kind of that's kind of how I feel. At this point, I think, I don't know. I feel like Blankenberg could probably benefit from being sent down to the Monsters. I think he could probably benefit from having some, you know, a ton of ice time down there. But I think he's, I think he's an NHL player. I think he's NHL ready. I, you know, again, small sample, but the little bit of him that we saw before he broke his foot or his his ankle was fantastic. He was our best defenseman. And like that's not hyperbole. That's that's just how it is. In in a lot of those games, he was our best defenseman. So excited to see Blankenberg back. Hopefully, he gets back and starts playing significant minutes um, instead of sitting on the bench or playing like twelve minutes a night. But again, with Brad Larson, there is just no way to know. Um, in a minute, we've got a couple more uh, mailbag questions to get through. But first, I've got to tell you all about Bet Online because it's your number one source for sports betting and stats and information and all of the things that you need to know about gambling. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season, uh, which is just wrapping up, I believe. Uh, basketball, the World Cup just finished up. Uh, the Baseball is going to be back soon. Obviously, it's getting kind of to that point in the NHL season where teams are either, you know, pretty set on making the playoffs or they're pretty set on being in the draft lottery. You can bet on both of those things at betonline.net. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Because bet online is where the game starts. Okay, so I've got a couple more mailbag questions to get through. Um, so, uh, first one from, uh, Anil in here, I'd love to hear your expert goalie opinions on just on how Elvis is, uh, and the other goalies are faring. Not so much a specific question as how is form slash development holding up in face of, uh, all of this. So, um, the answer I think is tough. And this is something that I would love to do a really a much deeper dive into, honestly. Um, Elvis has showed improvement um, since coming back. And there was a really, really good, but also bad quote from Elvis uh, after uh, either after the the first Washington game or after this game. He basically said, listen, I know I've been bad. I hate it. Like, it makes me angrier than it makes all of you. I promise. Um, I was supposed to be better this season and I wasn't. I still think I could be good in this league, but I've got a lot of work to do. And hopefully I get the chance to do that work, essentially. Um the problem with Elvis specifically is 
he's kind of running out of time in terms of development. Like he's 28 now, I believe 27 or 28, which, you know, is basically dead in goalie years. He's still got maybe three or four good years left in him. Maybe more than that, you know, with the way that uh, goalie development is going. But also if you look at the injuries he's had, the surgeries he's had and the amount of time that he's missed, like, for him to be a bona fide starter option, like I think maybe three to four years after this, you know, maybe to the end of the contract that he's on at the minute. And then after that, who's to say? Goalie development is is a weird one because it's something that you kind of can only really develop once you get to kind of Muslikins' level. Like, I don't think that you can really develop him anymore. What you can do is try and fix things. You can try and work on things. But for this, for better or worse, I think is kind of, the goalie that Elvis is, and I don't think he's been helped by everything that's happening in front of him. However, he's been playing behind the same defense that Corpusalo and Tarasov have been playing behind, and they fared better. This is not me saying that Elvis, we should write Elvis off. I think that there is a much better Elvis that we can get to, or that the Blue Jackets can get to. Um, but... The more I think about it, and this might be something that we talk about a little bit more in tomorrow's episode because I'm kind of running out of time here and I have a lot more that I want to say about Elvis. Um, I saw there was an, uh, uh, an athletic article where they talked a lot about Elvis and Aaron Portsline interviewed a couple of goalie experts and one of them said maybe what Elvis needs is a change of scenery. You know, clearly there's a lot of stress tied up in him being a blue jacket right now. There's a lot of, I think, still existing trauma from what happened to Kiv Lennox. Does he need a trade and a fresh, a fresh place to to live and uh, thrive and succeed? Um, and the answer to that is maybe. And the more I think about it, as much as it pains me to admit it, because you know I love Elvis. Everyone who listens to the show, all of my friends, everyone on Twitter, like the the woman next door, they know I love Elvis. I don't know that Columbus is the best place for him to succeed anymore. And if the choice is him being bad and miserable here or him succeeding and being happy somewhere else like at a certain point you have to be like well I want to let this player go and succeed on his own terms so that's kind of where I am with Elvis like I say maybe I'll talk a little bit more about this tomorrow because I do want to talk a little bit more about it and I do have lots of things to say about Elvis specifically but um that's kind of my my elevator pitch I guess for how Elvis is doing right now um another question from uh, from Anil and here, on a maybe slightly more cheerful note, let's talk jerseys. If you were in charge, what theme would you like a retro or reverse retro jersey to focus on next season? Um, so my my kind of dream for a Blue Jackets jersey is not specifically a retro or a reverse retro or anything like that. So one of my favorite things is um, the Blue Jackets. What they what they ended up being called, but I believe that the second name or the name that they were almost called was the Columbus Justice. Uh, which is a rad as hell name. Um, And if that does not get used for, you know, whenever women's hockey comes to Columbus, like I'm going to be furious, but I would love some kind of like, maybe a league wide thing of, Hey, what was this team almost called? Or, you know, what name was, was in the the mix, you know, do a, a Seattle Sockeyes Jersey. I know that there's copyright issues and everything with that, but you know, or look at, um, I know things like that. Think names that the team were almost called, and I would love to see a Columbus Justice jersey. I think that would be cool as hell. I don't think that's like retro or reverse retro specifically, but that's what I want. And um, my other option is lean into the ugly and just do like a lime green 
stinger jersey like i think that would be hideous i think it would be awful um i would buy one immediately so those are kind of my options um and then i have one final question uh in a maybe preemptive move who are your dream candidates for the new head coach next year and i'm looking at or i'm not looking at but i'm thinking about who's available in terms of coaches right now and there's not really anyone like Barry Trotz is ostensibly available. He almost went to Winnipeg and then was like, no, I want to take a year out. I would be um, surprised if he is not coaching an NHL team this time next season. I don't know that his coaching style fits into the style of team that the Blue Jackets are trying to build. Um, you know, the Blue Jackets are not the defensive star what they were under Tortorella anymore. They are a in, in, in a perfect world. They are a high octane, high scoring chaos team. And I think that Barry Trotz is a very good coach and he did wonderful things in Washington and in New York. And I think he'd probably do wonderful things somewhere else. I think Vancouver, for example, could probably benefit greatly from a guy like Barry Trotz. Um, I don't know that he's the right coach for the Blue Jackets at this exact moment in time. Um, Honestly, I'd like to see another first time coach Um, or, you know, could we possibly see, I don't know, a European come over um or you know uh, literally like i don't know kekalainen must know some finnish coach somewhere that is doing well in in la liga or somewhere else in the khl and coaxing to come over like who who's to say i but like honestly the problem with nhl head coaching positions is that it is just kind of the same 35 men that just get rotated in and around and looking at i mean like you look at like um mike babcock is available um we're probably about at the time and the point of the redemption story of Joel Quenville that he's going to be allowed to come back in a couple of seasons. I don't want either of those guys coaching this team for various reasons that I, I, again, I don't really have time to get into right now, but I don't think either of those guys would be good for this specific blue jackets team. Um, so looking around the league, like, I don't know. I just, I don't know that there are any coaches out there right now that could be options. Um, maybe I'll, maybe I'll look into the European side of it anymore. Um, I'll look into um, the AHL has some very good coaches available, you know, like the Blue Jackets famously, instead of going with Jared Bednar, who left to, you know, coached a powerhouse Colorado avalanche team to a Stanley cup after like five seasons, um, you know, the Blue Jackets could have kept Bednar in the organization who you did. It's a revisionist history. I know, but maybe there is an AHL coach out there. Um, you know, like the Chicago Wolves have had two of their head coaches poached into the NHL. I believe uh, they've both been uh, with the San Jose Sharks organization. So, you know, it's it's not necessarily who of the coaches is available right now, but who is available in the future. Um, and I would be keeping my eye on coaches that are doing well in the KHL, in La Liga, um, in the AHL specifically, and maybe look at if any of those guys are looking to get a promotion. Um, maybe it's not that they become head coach right away. Maybe it's that they co- they hire them as an assistant coach and, you know, use them as a stepping stone, um, kind of in the same way that Dallas, uh, not Dallas, excuse me, New Jersey is doing with uh, Lindy Ruff and Andrew Burnett, you know? So it's, there's not really anyone out there that I'm like, yes, I want that guy to coach the Blue Jackets like a knee-jerk reaction, but I think there's definitely guys out there. Um, I just think that no one has found them yet. Um, and that's kind of all I've got time for today. Uh, so we'll we'll finish there. Um, that was a really good mailbag. I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, great questions, everyone. Shout out to all of you. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day every day. 
Locked and Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also over on YouTube. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, download on any app, uh, like, subscribe, comment, do all of the things uh, that helps me out, helps you out. Like I said, everybody wins, and uh, especially me, but also you. Um, so I appreciate everyone that has done that so far. I appreciate all of you listening, watching, etc., etc. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the goaltending because I didn't even get a chance to talk about Jonas Corposalo, really, and I wanted to, so we'll do that tomorrow. And uh, we will also do a preview of tomorrow's game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who, ugh, that... I'm not looking forward to that game, but I also wasn't looking forward to the Carolina game. And look how that happened. So maybe I'll sleep through this one and hope for the best. I don't know. We'll talk about the, Car- the Tampa Bay game tomorrow. Uh, that is it for now. You can find me on Twitter at uh, underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find the podcast at L-O underscore Blue Jackets. If you have comments, questions, criticisms, you can email me at lockedupbluejackets at gmail.com. And uh, until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on.